ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So we're carrying on with fiqh al-ad'iyah wal-adhkar the understanding of various types of supplications and remembrance that a believer is supposed to be upon and we are now in the third section of this book the book is four sections in total we have generally gone over the first and the second sections and completed them and we are now starting on the third section chapter 111 fadlul adhkar al muta'alliqah bi'amal al-yawm wal-layla the virtue of the remembrance that is connected to the actions of the day and night so he says here إِنَّ مِنَ الْمَوْضُوعَاتِ الْجَلِيلَةِ وَالْأُمُورِ الْمُهِمَّةِ الَّتِي تَمَسُّ إِلَيْهَا حَاجَةُ كُلِّ مُسْلِمٍ مَا يَتَعَلَّقُ بِعَمَلِ الْمُسْلِمِ فِي يَوْمِهِ وَلَيْلَتِهِ فِي قِيَامِهِ وَقُعُودِهِ وَحَرَكَتِهِ وَسُكُونِهِ وَدُخُولِهِ وَخُرُوجِهِ وَسَائِرِ شُؤُونِهِ بأن يوظف ذلك كله في طاعة الله ويستعمله فيما يرضيه فيكون في ذلك كله ذاكرا لربه مستعينا به وحده مفوضا أموره كلها إليه He says from the very important affairs that there is a need for every Muslim to know about in regards to the actions that a Muslim engages in during the day and the night. Meaning all of your activities during the day and the night, your actions during the day and the night, what you are doing from your worship, your ibadah, then throughout the day and the night, is an opportunity for the remembrance of Allah, is an opportunity to do dhikr. When you are standing, when you are sitting, when you are moving, when you are not, when you are entering, when you are exiting, and all of your affairs during the day. That you employ all of that time in the obedience and worship of Allah, in that which pleases Allah. So that you are upon remembrance throughout all of that time, seeking aid and assistance from Allah alone, and putting your trust in Allah with all of your affairs. وَقَدْ ثَبَتَ فِي صَحِيحِ مُسْلِمْ 
أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يذكر ربه في كل أحيانه It is mentioned in Sahih al-Bukhari uh, Sorry, Sahih Muslim That the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم Used to remember Allah Be upon dhikr, remembrance In all of his time in all of his circumstances, no matter what he was doing, أي أنه صلوات الله وسلامه عليه لا يدع ذكر الله عز وجل في أي حال من الأحوال that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would not leave, would not abandon the remembrance of Allah in any circumstance. فِي لَيْلِهِ وَنَهَارِهِ Whether it was during the night time or the day time. وَصَبَاحِهِ وَمَسَائِهِ Whether it was during the day time or the evening, the morning time or the evening. وَسَفَرِهِ وَحَضَرِهِ and whether it was when he was traveling or whether he was resident, and in standing and sitting and in all of his affairs. إلى غير ذلك إلا وبدأه بذكر الله عز وجل ودعائه. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would not engage in any activity, whether it was going to sleep or waking up or entering or exiting or riding upon an animal or coming down from it or other than that. Whatever activity he was in, he would not engage in that activity or begin it until he started with the remembrance of Allah and the dua to Allah first. وَمَنْ يَتَأَمَّلِ السُّنَّةِ وَمَنْ يَتَأَمَّلُ السُّنَّةَ الْمُبَارَكَةِ وَالْهَدِيَ النَّبَوِيِ الْكَرِيمِ يَجِدُ أَنَّ هُنَاكَ أَذْكَارًا لِلصَّبَاحِ وَالْمَسَاءِ So a person who focuses on the sunnah and the guidance of the Prophet wasallam, then you will notice and you will realize, you will find that there are remembrances, supplications and du'as for the morning and for the evening. وَأَذْكَارًا لِلنَّوْمِ وَالِانْتِبَاهِ And there are remembrances, supplications for when you go to sleep and when you wake up. وَأَذْكَارًا لِلصَّلَوَاتِ وَأَعْقَابِهَا And there are supplications for the prayer. And for the ends of the prayer. وَأَذْكَارًا لِلطَّعَامِ وَالشَّرَابِ And there are supplications for eating and drinking. وَأَذْكَارًا لِرُكُوبِ الدَّابَّةِ وَالسَّفَرِ 
and there are supplications and remembrances for when you ride upon the riding animal or in the forms of transport and when you get down from that. Wa and generally supplications for when you're traveling. وَأَذْكَارًا تَتَعَلَّقُ بِطَرْدِ الْهَمُ وَالْغَمُ وَالْحُزْنِ And there are supplications and remembrances to alleviate or to remove uh, grief and distress from a person. Supplications and remembrances to remove the distress and the grief from a person and the sadness and the concern and the worry from a person. وَأَذْكَارًا تُقَالُ عِنْدَ رُؤْيَةِ الْمُسْلِمِ لِمَا يُحِبْ أَوْ لِمَا يَكْرَهْ إِلَىٰ غَيْرِ ذَلِكَ And there are du'as, remembrances that you would say when seeing another Muslim. Certain ones that you would say if you saw something good. Others, perhaps, if you see something not to your liking, there are supplications for all affairs. من الأذكار التي تتعلق تعلقا مباشرا بأحوال المسلم في يومه وليلته. So there are du'as that are connected to all of the different circumstances of a believer during his day and night. From the various different types of activities you may be engaged in, there is always remembrance to be done at all times. وَفِي تِلْكَ الْأَذْكَارِ الْعَظِيمَةِ وَتَنَوُّعِهَا بِحَسَبْ مُنَاسَبَاتِهَا تَجْدِيدٌ لِأَحْدِ الْإِيمَانِ وَتَقْوِيَةِ لِلصُّلَةِ بِاللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَ And in those great Remembrances, supplications and du'as And in the variety of them Depending on the certain circumstances a person may be in Having all of those du'as for the different circumstances Then it renews and refreshes your iman And strengthens your connection to Allah constantly وَاعْتِرَافٌ بِنِعْمِهِ الْمُتَوَالِيَةِ وَآلَائِهِ الْمُتَتَالِيَةِ And it gives you an acknowledgement of the constant blessings of Allah, the continuous blessings of Allah and the signs of Allah, constantly reminding you of those affairs. If you are constantly making du'a and doing the remembrance and the supplications at the various times and the various activities of your day and night. وَشُكْرٌ لَهُ عَلَى تَفَضُّلِهِ وَإِنْعَامِهِ وَجُودِهِ وَإِحْسَانِهِ And it is a way of showing your gratitude, your thankfulness. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon what He has bestowed to you and what He has blessed you with and upon His generosity and kindness and goodness to you. That you remember Allah constantly and do dua constantly and make the various applications for the various circumstances during the day and night constantly. وَفِيهَا لُجُوءٌ إِلَيْهِ وَحْدَهِ 
and in making regular remembrance of Allah in the different circumstances, then there is an element of returning back to Allah and seeking refuge in Allah. You are constantly then seeking refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are then constantly asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for protection. You are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for aid and assistance and seeking shelter in Him on a constant and regular basis. وَاعْتِمَادٌ عَلَيْهِ دُونَ مَا سِوَاهُ بِالتَّعَوْذِ بِهِ سُبْحَانَهُ مِنْ نَزَغَاتِ الشَّيْطَانِ وَشُرُورِ النَّفْسِ وَشَرِّ كُلِّ ذِي شَرٍّ مِنَ الْخَلْقِ وَمِنْ شَرِّ كُلِّ نِقْمَةٍ أَوْ بَلَاءٍ أَوْ مُصِيبَةٍ So when a servant of Allah is upon constant remembrance of Allah, upon the different circumstances during the day, upon awakening, upon sleeping, upon entering, upon exiting, upon sitting, upon arising, upon riding the transport or descending from it, upon the food and the drink, upon all of the various circumstances during the day, then that individual has a stronger connection with Allah and a dependence upon Allah and not upon anyone else. His dependence is upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is not upon anyone else besides Allah. And he seeks refuge in Allah constantly from the whispers of the shaitan and the deception of the shaitan, and from the evils of himself, and from the evil of all of that which has evil in creation, and from the evil of the calamities, and the distress, and the difficulties that may overcome an individual. If you are constantly upon dhikr throughout the day, then that brings about ease and comfort, for an individual in his heart, ease and comfort in his affairs, dependence and trust and reliance, completely and totally in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why when you read the biographies of the Salaf, in fact even if you read the biographies of the scholars of our time, the likes of a Shaykh al-Albani, a Shaykh al-Ithameen, a Shaykh bin Baz, a Shaykh Ahmed Najmi, Sheikh Zayd al-Madkhali, Sheikh Ubaid, rahimahumullah. You read their biographies and what those who were close to them wrote about them and you will always hear the same thing. One point is constant about how their tongues were always moving upon the dhikr of Allah. No matter where they were, where they were, whatever they were doing, they were constantly upon dhikr. And that is something noticeable. Many times you sit with the scholars and they may be waiting to deliver the class. Maybe they are still setting up the mic for them or they are waiting for a translator if it's going to be translated or some other reason. And you are there waiting with the sheikh to begin. 
And you will see that the scholar does not sit there silently. You will see it with their own eyes, how they are constantly upon remembrance and dhikr whilst they wait. That is a constant thing. And how often it would occur as well. And I've seen it from multiple scholars, where it just so happened that we would be with them close to the time of Maghrib, and this happened on multiple occasions with different scholars, close to the time of Maghrib, we may have been with them, asking questions, having other discussion, and then when it got close to the time of Maghrib, they would say, if you would please allow me some time now, if you would please excuse me now, so that I can do some of my dhikr before Maghrib. And there was a time I remember a Sheikh Muhammad Al-Banna, Rahimallah Ta'ala, the brother of a Sheikh Hassan Al-Banna. A Sheikh Muhammad Al-Banna, Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab ibn Marzuq Al-Banna, he used to live in Mecca, Rahimallah Ta'ala, from Egypt. On one occasion we were with him in the Haram in Mecca, and we were talking, asking questions, etc. And after a while, after some questions and discussion, after some minutes, after some time, he said, if you don't mind, if you would allow me some personal time now, because I remember his words, he said, I have one, as we say in English, I have one foot in the grave, that I am close to death now. He was in his 90s at that time. He said, I am close to death, the Arabic phrase, which in English we say as one foot in the grave. He said, I am close to death now, and I want to read the Qur'an. He had the, the Qur'an with him there. I want to read the Qur'an because every letter is ten rewards. Every letter is ten rewards, and I want to recite the Qur'an. So if you would excuse me and allow me some time to be able to do that, and I am at the footstep or at the doorstep of death now. So this is how they were. This is how the scholars are. Upon constant remembrance and dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so then the Sheikh mentions here, وَفِيهَا تَقْرِيرٌ لِتَوْحِيدِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ وَبَرَاءَةٌ وَخُلُوصٌ مِنَ الْإِشْرَاكِ بِهِ وَإِقْرَارٌ وَإِذْعَانٌ بِرُبُوبِيَّتِهِ وَأُلُوهِيَّتِهِ وَمَنْ كَانَ ذَا عِنَايَةٌ وَاهْتِمَامٌ بِأَدْعِيَةِ النَّبِيِّ صلى الله عليه وسلم المأثورة عنه فَإِنَّهُ يَبُؤُ وَيَعْتَرِفُ مَرَّاتِ كَثِيرَةِ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ عَزَّ وَجَلْ وَحْدَهُ هُوَ الَّذِي أَمَاتَ وَأَحْيَا وَأَطْعَمَ وَأَسْقَى وَأَفْقَرَ وَأَغْنَى وَأَلْبَسَ وَأَكْسَى وَأَظَلَّ وَهَدَى وَأَنَّهُ وَحْدَهُ الْمُسْتَحِقُ لِأَنْ يُؤْلَهَ وَيُعْبَدْ وَيُخْضَعَ لَهُ وَيُذَلْ وَتُصْرَفُ لَهُ جَمِيعًا If a person is upon constant remembrance throughout the day, doing all of the different du'as you're supposed to do throughout the day, the du'as after the prayer, in the prayer, exiting, entering, wudu, all of the different du'as of the day. If you did all of those, then you would constantly be upon the acknowledgement of the tawheed of Allah. All of those du'as, they reference the tawheed of Allah and they indicate the tawheed of Allah. You would constantly be affirming the tawheed of Allah throughout your day. 
and you would constantly be declaring your innocence from shirk, and you would constantly be affirming and submitting to the rububiyyah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to the uluhiyyah. And whoever gives importance, man kana inaya Whoever gives importance to the du'as of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, those that are narrated from him, then you will be attesting and acknowledging multiple times in the day that Allah is the one who gives life, and Allah is the one who gives death, and Allah is the one who feeds, and the one who gives the 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 drink, the food and the water. The one who uh, impoverishes one and enriches another. The one who makes one into poverty and another one into riches. The one who clothes a person or removes that. And the one who misguides and the one who guides. And that he alone is the one deserving of worship alone. And he is the one to be submitted to in humility and that all worship is to be directed to him alone. The reality is we sit here and we read through what the sunnah tells us to do, and we read through what the guidance of the Prophet ﷺ is, and how he was himself, and we covered last week or the week before about the number of times the Prophet ﷺ would seek forgiveness in a day, and the number of times the companion said they would hear the messenger seeking forgiveness during the day, and Aisha radiallahu anha saying to the messenger that your past and future sins have been forgiven. Allah has forgiven for you that which has passed and that which is to come. So why do you pray to the level, to the extent that his ankles would become swollen or blistered? And so the messenger said, أَفَلَا أَكُونُ عَبْدًا Should I not be a grateful servant to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Should I not be grateful? And so it is not just a case of hearing this, but it is a case of implementation. It is a case of practice. Otherwise, as the scholars have mentioned, if you gain the knowledge, you gain an understanding of the Qur'an, of the Sunnah, of the Hadith, of the narrations, you gain the knowledge and you learn it and you take it in, but you do not implement it and practice it, then it is the example of you having a barren tree. You have all of the tree there, the huge trunk, and the branches, they're all there. That is the knowledge you have. You have gained some knowledge. But your tree has no leaves and it has no fruits. So it doesn't provide any fruits to you, neither does it even provide any shade in reality. Because there are no leaves. The leaves and the fruit, they are the, as we say, the fruits of your knowledge. They are the action that you implement and practice what you learn, that is the way of the Salafi. You implement and practice what you learn, and that is when you have the tree with the leaves and with the fruit. 
It is not befitting that a Salafi should have a tree without leaves and without food. Knowledge without action, that is a calamity. Knowledge without action is the characteristic that is mentioned of the... Hmm? Knowledge without action, the Munafiqun used to do action. The Jews... The example of the Jews, their characteristic is that they had knowledge. Al-Maghdub alayhim. Why are they the ones whom Allah's anger was upon? Because they had some knowledge, but they hid that knowledge. And they concealed that knowledge and they refused to implement that knowledge. And so Allah's anger is upon them. And that's why Shaykh Al-Fawzan said, with regards to Al-Fatiha, غير المغضوب عليهم, that you ask Allah to keep you away from the path of those whom His anger is upon. The tafsir of that ayah is not just the Jews. The Jews are an example. But the tafsir of the ayah, the ones whom Allah's anger is upon in reality, is all those people who have knowledge but reject that knowledge and do not implement and act upon that knowledge. And at the head of them are the Jews. And then waladhalin, the opposite. Those who act but do not have knowledge. They attempted to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon jahl, upon ignorance. And so they were adhalin, the misguided ones, Attempting to worship upon ignorance and darkness. So the believer gains the knowledge and acts upon the knowledge. We learn all about these adhkar and the encouragement to do them during the day. When it is upon us to implement that, to learn them and practice them. As the Salaf they used to say about the Qur'an, مَا كُنَّا نَتَجَاوَزْ عَشْرَ آيَاتٍ مِّنَ الْقُرْآنِ that we never used to learn more than 10 ayat of the Qur'an at a time. Never used to learn more than 10 ayahs until we understood them and acted upon them. Then we would move on to the next 10 ayat. مَا كُنَّا نَتَجَاوَزَ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ so we never used to go beyond 10 ayahs at a time. Until we knew what they meant. We understood them, the tafsir, everything. And we used to act upon them. Then we would move along. Al-Imam Ahmad, I believe Al-Imam Ahmad, perhaps some of the other salaf too, they would say that when they came across a new hadith of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. A new hadith, they learnt it. A new chain of narration, a new riwayah. They said we would memorize the hadith, and then we would go and implement what it says. We would memorize that new hadith, and then go and implement what it says. And then they said, in this method, تَعَلَّمْنَا الْعِلْمَ وَالْعَمَلَ جَمِيعًا that in this method we learnt knowledge and action simultaneously. The knowledge we gained, we then acted upon it. فَتَعَلَّمْنَا الْعِلْمَ وَالْعَمَلَ جَمِيعًا 
We learn the knowledge and the action, the implementation together. And this is perhaps where the weakness sometimes arises in all of us, no doubt. All of us have some element of weakness, of shortcoming. And it is in the implementation and the practice of affairs that maybe a person hears what he needs to hear from the knowledge and he learns it and he studies it. But then the key is the practice and implementation of it. And that is where the Salafi should be at the forefront. At the forefront of knowledge and action. Because that is the core of the religion. The core of the religion is upon those two things. Knowledge and action. The knowledge, al-ilm al-nafi' wal-amal al-salih. The beneficial knowledge, and that's why they always say al-ilm al-nafi' the beneficial knowledge, not any knowledge. A person could go out and learn all types of things. You could go out and learn all types of knowledge. But the knowledge that is being spoken about, al-ilm al-nafi' is al-ilm al-shari' the knowledge of the legislation, the knowledge of the religion, not academics and worldly matters. Al-ilm al-nafi' is the knowledge that brings you closer to Allah. Very simple criteria. You think about the affair, is this particular book going to bring me closer to Allah? Is this knowledge that I'm going to gain here going to bring me closer to Allah in my understanding of the religion, my practice of the religion? If that 500 page book, 1000 page book is not going to bring you closer to Allah, then it is knowledge that is not ilm, that is nafi' from the worldly matters. And there is no harm gaining some knowledge of the worldly matters. A person does academic qualifications and degrees and things permissible to the level that is required, if required, for the purposes of uh, fulfilling your rights upon your family and income and those matters that are related to it. But as for what a person strives with and puts his efforts into, then that is al-ilm al-nafi' the beneficial knowledge which is al-ilm al-shari, the knowledge of the religion. It's like some of the scholars mentioned, and I don't remember who. They said, this religion, there is so much knowledge to be learnt within it, that how could you possibly have time to do anything else? How could a person possibly have time to go do other things and learn other things outside of the necessity? When you have so much to learn yet in the religion, there is no time for anything else. Al-Bukhari, thousands of narrations in there, if a person learned all of those carefully and understood them all and the rulings from them, an amazing thing. Sahih Muslim, the Qutub sunnah there is so much there, a vast ocean that there is literally no time for a person to go elsewhere. There is no time for a person to sit on the internet browsing this, browsing that. How can you possibly have time for that when even if you spent your whole life upon studying the religion and all the books of the scholars, you would not finish it? So it is impossible to claim that you have spare time. In reality, there is no such thing as spare time. For a talib al-ilm, there is no such thing as spare time in reality. You have the time, your obligations on your family. Your family has rights upon you. Your children have rights upon you. You fulfill the rights of your children, the rights of the family, the obligations, 
with your wife, your children, nurturing them, raising them, teaching them. All of those are rights and responsibilities to bring in the income, to provide for them, an obligation upon you Islamically. Then after that, you fulfill the rights of your family. Of course, before that, the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your prayers, etc. During the day, you fulfill all of those rights of Allah, you fulfill the rights of your family, and then you're fulfilling your time with talab al-ilm. Then outside of that, there is no such thing as spare time in reality. You apportion the time. And uh, in, the, in the university, the scholars, they used to advise with this specifically. That you must apportion your time carefully in your studies. Apportion your time, split it up into what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, how long you're going to spend on it. And then do not go outside of that. So a person puts down that he's going to do, as Sheikh bin Baz used to say, put down 30 minutes into your schedule daily for the Qur'an. Minimum. Minimum daily, 30 minutes somewhere is apportioned to your Qur'an. Minimum. So let's say a person puts down 30 minutes every day. And then after the 30 minutes of the Qur'an, he has 30 minutes put down for his Arabic or 30 minutes for revising his lesson. The scholars, they say, stick to that timetable. So in the morning then, if you do your 30 minutes of the Qur'an and you regularly, for example, finish one page in memorization. Very easily doable. In 30 minutes, one page of the Qur'an. And that's what you regularly do, for example. Then one day in your 30 minutes, you only get through two-thirds of that page. And you think to yourself, okay, I've got to carry on for another 20, another 15 to finish the page. They say, don't do that. Stay with your timetable, okay, you haven't done enough today. Then reprimand yourself and fix yourself up for tomorrow's session. But don't go beyond the time. If you go beyond the time, then your timetable is worthless. You've made a timetable you're not sticking to. And if you start doing that, everything becomes mixed up everywhere. Then the next session you think, okay, today I'll only do 20 minutes on this next part there. So now the imbalance has occurred and the mix-up has occurred in your schedule. They used to say, have a strict schedule and stick to it. It's like when you think about the academic studies. You do your modules. And those modules have a certain number of hours per term. And that's all you get. They are never going to say to you at the end of the term, actually we're a bit behind, you can postpone your exams we're going to put some extra lessons in in the summer for a month, then we'll do your exams. No such thing. When the term finishes, the exam is there. Your module has a certain number of hours, you do those hours, you do the curriculum, and you go do your exam. And so this way, the scholars used to say, have a strict schedule with your time. So here, continuing with the topic that was mentioned about a believer being constantly upon the remembrance of Allah throughout his day, Ibn al-Qayyim said, الذكر كما يقول العلامة Ibn al-Qayyim رحمه الله شجرة تثمر المعارف والأحوال التي شمر إليها السالكون فلا سبيل إلى نيل ثمارها إلا من شجرة الذكر وكلما عظمت تلك الشجرة وَرَسَخَ أَصْلُهَا كَانَ أَعْظَمَ لِثَمَرَتِهَا فَالذِّكْرِ يُثْمِرُ الْمَقَامَاتِ كُلَّهَا مِنَ الْيَقَظَةِ إِلَى التَّوْحِيدِ 
وهو أصل كل مقام وقاعدته التي يبنى ذلك المقام عليها كما يبنى الحائط على أسه وكما يقوم السقف على حائطه This is from Ibn Al-Qayyim and this is very common of the way that he writes Ibn Al-Qayyim says that dhikr, dhikr, remembrance of Allah is like a tree that bears fruits of all types of knowledge for you. How so? Like we said, all the different du'as of the day, the du'a for waking up for after the prayers for wudu, for all the different circumstances during the day, each of those du'as will have elements of names and attributes of Allah within it. Elements of the mentioning of tawheed of different aspects within it. You're going to learn all types of things because when you read your du'as, as you mentioned in the previous sections, you are supposed to fully understand what you're reading. One of the reasons when people say, but I did the, the dhikr you told me to do. I was having some problems, etc. The imam told me to read this or that and I've been reading it, but still it's carrying on. So you say to the person, what have you been reading? And they narrate to you the... the the dua that they've memorized, authentic dua. They say, I've been reading this one. This is the one to read for this particular circumstance. And it is. And you say to them, what does it mean? Tell me the meaning of this dua. It is the right one. You're right. For the circumstance you're talking about, this is the dua in the sunnah to read. You're right. And you've been doing it. That's good. But what does it mean? What does this dua mean? And he doesn't know. And as we mentioned previously, if you don't know what you're reading in your du'as, you're reading the du'as after the prayer in the morning, the evening, and you don't know what the meanings of these du'as are in reality, then the effect and the impact those du'as have for you is reduced. The impact of the du'a, it comes from you understanding exactly what you're saying. The purpose of the du'a is your recognition of those words you're saying, of the remembrance you're doing of Allah. If you have no understanding of those words, then what remembrance of Allah are you doing other than sounds from your mouth? So it is important that a person has an understanding. And if you do, Ibn Qayyim says, all these du'as, they are like a tree that gives you all types of knowledge. And it is the case. I mean, look at this book now. It's a thousand pages. A thousand pages. Two volumes, 500 pages each. A thousand pages just on the topic of du'as, the du'as of the morning, evening, etc., a thousand pages. And that's not even much. This is summarized. If you go to the books of Ibn al-Qayyim, you'll find five volumes, six volumes, eight volumes, volumes just on the topic of dhikr, on remembrance of Allah and the du'as that the Messenger taught us. Husn al-Muslim, that uh, the citadel, they call it the fortress, that small book now, how many different du'as are there in it? Imagine now you did an explanation of all of those. And they have explanations. They are hadith. If you put down the explanation of each one, you'd probably end up with a thousand page book from that one fortress. So the reality is if a person understands what he's doing and reading, that's when the impact is. And that's why they say when you're doing ruqiyah, the reality of the impact from ruqiyah is that you have the iman in your heart and you have the understanding of what you're reading. The Raqi understands what he's reading. The one who's having the Ruqiyah done to him understands those words that are being read upon him. 
from the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's where the impact is. As for a person reading without understanding anything, then the impact is minimized. Just like in the prayer, a person prays five times a day. And perhaps to this day, he doesn't understand some of the du'as that he reads in the prayer. Perhaps he doesn't even know what subhana rabbi al-azim means. Or subhana rabbi al-a'la means. Or rabbi ghfirli means. Sami'allahu liman hamida. These parts of the prayer, maybe he doesn't even know what they mean to this day and he prays five times a day. Then where is the impact of your prayer going to be? This is why the talib al-ilm needs to focus on his studies. There is so much to be learnt. And the time is so little. A person must focus. So here Ibn Qayyim says, that it is a tree that will bring about all types of knowledge for you, and all types of different circumstances. And those who are serious, shammara ilayha asalikun. He says those who are serious, they roll up their sleeves as we say, shammara ilayha asalikun. They roll up their sleeves and they go into it. In learning all of these affairs and learning the sunnah, learning the du'as, the remembrance, the dhikr and doing it, they roll up their sleeves and they go into that. فَلَا سَبِيلَ إِلَىٰ نَيْلِ ثِمَارِهَا إِلَّا مِشَجَنَةِ الذِّكْرِ So all of that understanding, the recognition of Allah, the rububiyyah, the uluhiyah, all of the affairs, then the root to that is through this tree of remembrance. The tree of remembrance Meaning that a person is upon constant dhikr and dua throughout his day, remembers the dhikr to do when leaving his house, when entering his car, when exiting, when entering, remembers all the dhikr at the different times of the day. That keeps him connected to the tawheed of Allah and keeps him connected to the various aspects of tawheed and understanding his Lord. And it mentions, وَكُلَّمَا عَظُمَتْ تِلْكَ shajara." The greater and stronger that tree becomes, rasakha asluha, then the roots of it become even more grounded. The bigger the trunk gets, the bigger the tree gets, the bigger the roots are underneath to keep it firm. Kana a'adama And so the bigger the tree is, the stronger the roots are, the greater the amount of fruits that it will bear for you. The bigger the tree, the more the fruit. The smaller the tree, the less you will gain. So then he goes on to mention about how dhikr, it brings about the benefits to you in all of your various circumstances and affairs, as it was mentioned earlier. And then he gives more examples of how the wall must be built upon its foundation, and that the ceiling must stand upon its walls, that everything is built upon in this way, from the bottom upwards. And this is perhaps an indication that a person, a talib al-ilm in particular, who doesn't have this aspect of his religion at all, that he doesn't do any of the remembrances during the day, morning, evening, after prayer, nothing. And that is a significant <coughs> deficiency. And it's something perhaps which isn't thought about. That you miss your dhikr in the morning, evening, nobody knows them. A person doesn't think about it. He thinks, but I've memorized Thalathatul Usul, I've memorized Kitab Al-Tawheed, I've memorized Al-Wasatiyyah, I've been sat with the scholars for this many years or this much time, and yet no dhikr throughout the day, this is a deficiency, no doubt. Ibn Qayyim says, a person who has that dhikr during the day, and all of that dhikr is 
Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, learning all different aspects. Some of those du'as are long, that you recite the du'a for distress, for example, and the elements of Tawheed mentioned within that. So all of that is built upon that knowledge and then the implementation above it. إضافة إلى ذلك فهي مشتملة على غاية المطالب الصحيحة ونهاية المقاصد العلية وفيها من الخير ونفع والبركة والفوائد الحميدة والنتائج العظيمة ما لا يمكن أن يحيط به إنسان أو يعبر عنه لسان. That on top of all, this is not Ibn Qayyim now, this is after his speech. On top of all of that, this dhikr has within it the ultimate objectives. And the lofty goals within it. And all of the goodness and the benefit and the blessing and the praiseworthy uh, benefits and conclusions, great results, they come from uh, that dhikr that a person would not otherwise be able to comprehend and neither would any tongue be able to express. Al-Wabil as <coughs> that is one of the books to have a look at. وَلِذَلِكَ فَإِنَّ مِنَ أن يكون محافظا تمام المحافظة على تلك الأذكار العظيمة كل ذكر في وقته المناسب له من يومه وليلته وبحسب وروده في السنة لتتحقق له تلك الأفضال العظيمة والمعاني الكريمة وليكون ممن أثنى الله عز وجل عليهم بقوله والذاكرين الله كثيرا والذاكرات أعد الله لهم مغفرة وأجرا عظيما So it is befitting for a believer to guard over properly guard over all of the remembrances and du'as and supplications and all of them in their appropriate times during the day and the night in accordance to how they have been mentioned in the sunnah in order that the great virtues and the great meanings that are mentioned in those adhkar can be actualized for the believer. And so that he can then be from those whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has praised in the ayah of Al-Hazab 35, Those who remember Allah plentifully, Often from the men and the women of Dakirina wa Dakirat. Allah has prepared for them Mawfira. Pardoning and concealing and forgiving their sins. And a tremendous reward and a great reward. Ruya an ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma Ibn Abbas, who was of course Tarjuman al Quran the interpreter of the Qur'an for his great level of knowledge of the tafsir, he mentioned about this ayah, al-murad, the intent, the purpose, the objective of this ayah, يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ فِي أَدْبَارِ الصَّلَوَاتِ وَغُدُوًا وَعَشِيَّا وَفِي الْمَضَاجِعِ وَكُلَّمَا اسْتَيْقَضَ مِنْ نَوْمِهِ وَكُلَّمَا غَدَى أَوْ رَاحَ مِنْ مَنْزِلِهِ ذَكَرَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى Ibn Abbas said the meaning of this ayah, that the ones who remember Allah a lot, then Allah has prepared for them forgiveness and a great reward. They are the ones who remember Allah at the ends of the prayers. They do their adhkar. 
at the ends of the prayers. And they do their adhkar in the morning and the evening. And they do their adhkar upon their beds at the time of sleep and waking. Uh, and when waking up from their sleep and in the mornings or when they exit from their homes. Meaning, they are the ones who are constantly upon the remembrance of Allah in all circumstances during their day and night. And Mujahid, Mujahid from the Salaf, famous for his tafsir as well. He said, لَا يَكُونُ مِنَ الذَّاكِرِينَ اللَّهِ كَثِيرًا وَالذَّاكِرَاتِ حَتَّى يَذْكُرَ اللَّهِ قَائِمًا وَقَاعِدًا وَمُضَّجِعًا Mujahid said that a person cannot be considered from الذَّاكِرِينَ and الذَّاكِرَاتِ mentioned in the ayah, those who oft remember Allah, cannot be considered from them until he is from those who remembers Allah when he is standing and sitting and lying. Standing and sitting and lying down. Which is therefore what? What's the meaning of, you know, the Salaf, they spoke in this way. He's mentioned three words there and he means something by it. All day, because all day you are either standing or you are sitting or you are lying down. So when he says that the dhakirin and the dhakirat in that ayah that Allah forgives them and gives them reward, they are only the ones who remember Allah standing, sitting and lying down. A person may think, okay, maybe three times a day, once when you're sitting, once when you're standing, once when you're lying down. The reality of that statement is all of your circumstances during the day, because you're either going to be standing or you're going to be sitting or you're going to be lying down. Three circumstances. Uh, and then it mentions وَقَدْ سُئِلَ We conclude upon this وَقَدْ سُئِلَ الشَّيْخْ أَبُوْ عَمَرَ بْنَ الصَّلَاحِ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ عَنِ الْقَدْرِ الَّذِي يَصِيرُ بِهِ الْمُسْلِمْ مِنَ الذَّاكِرِينَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا وَالذَّاكِرَاتِ Abu Amr ibn al-Salah They asked him From the scholars of the past They asked him How much dhikr do you have to do To be included in this ayah? To be from the dhakirin and dhakirat whom Allah forgives and prepares great reward for. How much dhikr do you have to do to be included within that? He said, إِذَا وَاضَبَ الْأَعَلَى الْأَذْكَارِ الْمَأْثُورَةِ الْمُثْبَتَةِ صَبَاحًا وَمَسَاءً فِي الْأَوْقَاتِ وَالْأَحْوَالِ الْمُخْتَلِفَةِ لَيْلًا وَنَهَارًا وَهِيَ مُبَيَّنَةِ فِي كِتَابِ عَمَلِ الْيَوْمِ وَالْلَيْلَةِ كَانَ مِنَ الذَّاكِرِينَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا وَذَاكِرَاتٍ He said, if a person continuously, constantly persists upon the adhkar that have been narrated and uh, affirmed, uh, established narrations of those adhkar, he constantly remains upon those morning and evening and in all of his times and al-ahwal, in all of his different circumstances, al-mukhtalifa, laylan wa nahara, night and day, meaning the full 24 hours, constantly in all your circumstances, upon the remembrance. Uh, and they are clarified, he says, in the book, Amal al-Yawm al-Layla. Perhaps he's referring to the uh, Nasai one. Here the reference is to the Nawawi explanation, or it's mentioned in a Nawawi, this quote. And he says, they are mentioned there, and the person who does that then, in all of his circumstances, day and night, then that is the person who is going to be considered from al-dhakirin or al-dhakirat, 
those who are upon constant remembrance of Allah kathiran, and for them it is that Allah prepared for them forgiveness and a great reward. And that's why he says here, لَقَدْ حَضِيَ هَذَا الْمَوْضُوعِ الْجَلِيلِ بِاهْتِمَامِ الْعُلَمَاءَ الْفَائِقِ وَعِنَايَتِهِمُ الْكَبِيرِ فَأَلَّفُوا فِي الْمُؤَلَّفَاتِ الْكَثِيرَةِ And that's why that scholars have given great importance to this topic of the adhkar and the remembrances upon the sunnah, but upon the way of the Sufiya we spoke about in the first volume. Upon the way of the sunnah, the scholars gave great importance to this topic and they wrote a huge amount of books on this topic. There are books just on this topic, five volumes, six volumes, seven volumes. You find them, Al-Afkar of Al-Nawawi and others. And they gave great importance to it and they wrote a lot about it because these Afkar, they are from the asal of your ibadah to Allah. They are from the asal of Tawheed. All of these Afkar, they are about the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's where we'll conclude today. Inshallah, next time then he's going to go into mentioning examples of these adhkar and their explanations. So like we said, like the fortress of the Muslim, explaining all those du'as, that's what it goes into next. Multiple different du'as you're supposed to read in the morning, in the evening, after the prayers, and then an explanation of all of those, just like it was in the earlier parts of the book. So that's what we'll continue with from next week, inshallah ta'ala. We'll conclude upon that for today. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Any questions, anything to add? It's not really possible to give a figure. You cannot give a figure on it. But there are certain types of adhkar that you would not expect that a talib al-ilm misses. Some of the ones that are the constant ones on a daily basis, the adhkar of the prayer. You would not expect a talib al-ilm to finish his prayer and not do adhkar, not do the adhkar of the prayer and walk off. You would not expect that. The adhkar of the morning and the evening. Regular, constant, you hear about them all the time. You would not expect that a talib misses that. Ayatul Kursi. It is in the sunnah that a person is supposed to recite Ayatul Kursi eight times a day. Simple, easy to do. Five times after each prayer, once in the morning, once in the evening, once before going to sleep. Some of these are simple, obvious ones that can be implemented. You wouldn't expect a person to miss them. And the, 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 what we meant, what I meant by a talib al-ilm, and it's a deficiency that he doesn't do it, the meaning of that becomes clear when you think about perhaps the uncles who come to the mosque. They may not have much knowledge. They've never sought knowledge in that way. They've never been talib al-ilm in that way. But they sit there all day after the prayer for 20 minutes longer than you doing all their adhkar. They do their morning ones, they do their evening ones, they know that much. And they do their adhkar, the little knowledge they have of them. And yet the Salafi talib al-ilm, talib al-ilm doesn't do them. And yet he believes himself to be more knowledgeable than this uncle or this elder not a talib al-ilm doesn't know anything. And yet he's doing double the adhkar you are every day. That's the meaning of having a deficiency. How can that be? If you're a talib al-ilm, you should be at least equal to him if not more. These are the kinds of examples. And worse than that, worse example than that, that's not a, a bad example, but a, a bad example is when jama'at al-tabliq and the mubtadi'ah, 
you know, they do all of their innovated remembrance. But from the authentic ones that they do as well, it cannot be the case that they are doing more of the authentic ones every day than a Salafi Talib ilmis. Scholars, they say this, it cannot be that the Mubtadi'ah should be doing more in Ibadah than a Salafi Talib ilmis. Not in their Bid'ah, in the actual Ibadah that is legitimate. Because as Shaykh Ubaid used to say, a Mubtadi'ah, don't think that a Mubtadi'ah, everything he does is Bid'ah. He says, reality is a Mubtadi'ah may be doing 90% of the Sunnah. And it's just that 10% which is his Bid'ah which makes him a Mubtadi'ah. So that 90% of the Sunnah that he might be doing, he cannot be above you. It cannot be that a Mubtadi'ah, upon the Sunnah aspects that he is practicing properly, is surpassing a Salafi Talib al-Ilm. The scholars used to say, it cannot be that the Mubtadi'ah should be greater in the Ibadah than a Salafi Talib al-Ilm. I don't recall who I heard that, maybe Shaykh Ubaid himself or other scholars, they used to mention that, and it's an obvious thing. How can a Salafi Talib al-Ilm be lower than a Mubtadi'ah in his worship, in his Ibadah? So these are things to focus on. Anybody else? Alright, we'll conclude upon that today. Next week, inshallah, 8.30. I was a bit delayed today, but inshallah ta'ala, we'll aim for 8.30pm as usual next week.